Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today, we're extremely excited to have as our studio guest, Mr. Jeff Vuletta, CEO of Fahrenheit 212. Jeff, welcome to the program, and thank you for interrupting your schedule uh, to come on the program to share your thoughts and ideas about leadership and innovation. Oh, pleasure. Looking forward to it. Could you share with our audience a little bit about your background and how you made it all the way here to New York from New Zealand? Well, I'll try and keep that brief. But, um, yeah, so I, um, I didn't actually uh, complete my college education. started in advertising in New Zealand um, when I was 20. spent a couple of years there and then worked in the U.K. for a couple of years. Came back to New Zealand and um, was fortunate enough to um, be asked to start a very, very um, good Australian creative agency in New Zealand um, um, in my mid-twenties, um, which I did for a very long time, 13, 14 years I ran that and enjoyed every second of it. Um, and in the meantime, had um, started a TV show with a good friend of mine um, when pay television had arrived in New Zealand and um, stumbled on a on how to make cult television, um, and it, 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 it was performing well. So we decided, without knowing much about TV, we decided, too, to go on and build ourselves a big bar to be the only bar in the world with its own TV show, or the only TV show in the world with its own bar. <laughs> and, in, and in doing that, I um, met a very interesting man who was at the time running a very, very big Australasian brewery. I needed lots of money to build the bar, and he had it. And um, he became a cornerstone shareholder in the bar. And just as that was getting ready to open, he, the brewery was sold to a big Japanese brewer, Curran Breweries. And um, he left the job and became the global chief executive of Saatchi and Saatchi, which is a, you know, a big oh, jump, yes. given that he had never worked a day before in advertising in his life. And he um, coaxed me out of doing what I was doing to... Um, to, to help him with an ambition that he had to take Saatchi's globally um, into this definition of something called an ideas company. And he thought I was a good ideas guy, and he said, you know, put, you know it's time to you know, put long pants on and come out to the real world. And um, it's all very well being successful in a small market, but do you think you could be um, any good in a big one? So um, I did. I, um, I, I became a board director of Saatchi's um, in my late 30s, and um, did the crazy commute between Auckland and New York for a couple of years while I was trying to work out what it would be that you know could help that ambition. Um, and that led to the forming of a company called Fahrenheit 212 um, that I formed um, whilst at Saatchi's. Um, it was never a company in the field of communication that Saatchi's was. It was always a company in the field of innovation. And it went okay. So um, four years and four months ago, um, we did a buyout of the business. And, and here we are four years, four months later, as a, a, you know, a, a, a standalone company. Phenomenal. You know, I really enjoyed the article in Fortune where you talk about the innovator's paradise. But tell us a little bit about the story about the lawn at Oxford University and how a New Zealander uh, approaches that lawn at Oxford. Oh, it's, just, it's, a, it's a silly little query, Kirk. There are two things to it that are mildly interesting. One is that, um, and, and I think one of the, you know, New Zealand's a tiny little country at the bottom of the world that gets kind of no drive-by traffic and... Um, and, you know, everybody in the country travels at some point. And I think 
Um, I think something like 92% of New Zealanders have passports. And one of the things you do before you do your college education is your is your is, your, is what is what they call your OE, your overseas experience. And most of us head off to the UK and spend some time, you know, travelling as cheaply as you can around Europe. But most of us, for some reason, have this drawing to, you know, the posh parts of the UK and all end up somewhere at some point at Oxford. And um, there's a sign in the square in one of the colleges at Oxford that says, don't walk on the grass. And, and, I, and, I, and, and I, I don't think I've ever met a New Zealander who didn't go there and didn't walk on the grass. And, and, and in many ways, I mean, I think it's got a lot to do with, you know, we're a humble country for sure. Um, but there is a, you know, there is a, there is a restless DNA in, in New Zealand, and 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 you know, an urge not to break rules but to push boundaries on things. You know, and I was really motivated uh, to read on the article, and then as I, I'm reading on the article, uh, you quoted Ernest Rutherford, and uh, in regards to the Kiwi lore, as to how someone from such a small uh, comp- uh, country can split the atom back in 1917. And his answer was, we don't have the money, so we have to think. And yeah. do you think that's the spirit behind Fahrenheit 212, how you're able to do so many very innovative uh, things with the companies that you represent? I think it's a, um, or certainly I think it's a very defining characteristic of being a New Zealander. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I'm you know very proud of you know the country that you know that I come from, and still to a degree call home too. But I think that um, 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 one of the truisms about innovation is, um, and you know, and Ernst Rutherford you know did it in a you know with all the humility of the man, and he was a very you know a very humble guy. But I mean, it's 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 all to me. To, a lot to do with if you are um, in innovation and want to succeed in innovation, then you know you've you've got to set out to be great rather than trying to set out to be right. In a, in the world of innovation, there is no right answer. And you know, at Fahrenheit, the forty-five, fifty people that we have at Fahrenheit, only our CFO has to be right. Nobody else has to be right. You know, <laughs> and you and you dare and you dare to dream. You know, and um, um, you know. And um, and often the spoils of um, you know of of you know infrastructure and lots of money to spend and so on, you know, often get in the way of your you know you know your ability to dream and your ability to you know to take bold steps and to you know and 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 and, and to be obsessed with being great rather than you know setting out to you know to to be right. Did did leadership come naturally for you or? Was it pressed upon you and you just had to step into the shoes? Uh, share with us your thoughts on, on your particular leadership style. Um, well, I mean, one of the quirks, I think, and, and, you know, and I certainly don't say this in a boastful way, but I'm 49 and I've been a chief exec since I was 24. And so it's not half my working life I've been a chief exec. It's actually more than half of my whole life. So I've really, you know, you know, not really knowing what it's like not, you know, not to be one. But, but I think that, um, you know, um, I've certainly, in all that time until, you know, Fahrenheit became an independent company, still had, you know, people that I was responsible um, and reported to and learned a lot about it. And I think the most fundamental thing about leadership is, um, 
It's just appreciating that people want to be led and that they want to know what they should be doing and they want to know um, that what they're doing is important. And, um, and setting up an environment where that's totally trusted all the time and that you are, you know, incredibly uniform um, and consistent in, in, a, in, a tran- in, a, in a transparent way, in a transparent way, I think is, you know, certainly a characteristic of the way that Fahrenheit's led, and 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 also a characteristic too, I think, of a lot of things that I have learned about the downside of not doing that that I've experienced from other people. And the folks who are under you, who. Um uh, or the sub-leaders, if you will, of your organization. Um, how do you instill the culture that you know that um, they're going to lead the, their, their direct reports correctly in, in the spirit of Fahrenheit 212? Well, I don't, I don't kind of think of it like that. I think that um, certainly, you know, we are structured in the way, you know, a, a consultancy practice would be and, and the, you know, and there are you know there are associates and consultants and directors, but but I think moreover, what is far more important is that everybody else knows what everybody else is responsible for doing, and mm-hmm. we run in hundred day cycles, and every hundred days we get together and agree, you know, in that hundred days, what are the things that as a company we got we want to we want to we want to nail, we want to do, and we draw up as a whole team, all 45 of us draw that list up. And then you go away and write your own contribution to that list, the five or six things that you're going to set out to, you know, that, that are a derivative of that list that you're going to set out to, um, you know, you know, to, you know to, to commit to doing. And, you know, so therefore at the start of every 100 days, you actually get up and you report against the things that you committed to do and, um, and in front of your peers and, 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 and in front of everybody and, you know, and you're you know you're actively and you know knowingly the author of that, and um, you knew it was important, um, and your peers are around you supporting the effort that you had. So it's not a structural thing. I think it's a it's a it's a much broader transparency thing. Absolutely. You know, I have, of all the business books that I have read and articles I read over my career, I have never heard. Uh, a hundred day cycle before where a business said this is our hundred day cycle we're going to see uh, how you know we're going to this is what we're going to focus on this is what everyone is going to be geared towards so basically you have three cycles during the business year yeah yeah exactly and and then you know once you have um, you know pinned your hundred day plan um, from the list you score yourself um, against um, against the you know the tasks that you set out to do in the previous hundred days, and my partner and I here sit down and agree to agree your score, and you know, and and help you set up, help yourself set up for success in your next hundred days, and you know, and the entire bonus model of the business is based around simply your three lots of hundred day plan scores. You know, so truly, you're managing uh, knowledge workers. This is not the traditional industrial age type of management. This is really new age. It's really managing folks, allowing them to manage their time frame. Oh, I mean, you know, I, I would have as good a collection of under thirty-five year old people that exist. I think in 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 you know in most companies in the world, most good companies in the world. I'm absolutely sure of it, and you know, appreciating that. You know the Gen Y generation is, you know, has 
certainly different from mine and 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 you know and the whole I think we've got an environment that is really conducive to that sort of the characteristics of those you know nobody in the firm works on one job you know you're working on five or six things at the same time you know and that could be anything from you know adult incontinence to hokature jewelry and you know and everything in between yeah you, you, you get goals for you, you which you help define you know set and reset every hundred days you get peer you know you get peer support for it and you know and and you're um you know extraordinarily stimulated you there isn't any sort of learning time you know behind the scenes at at Fahrenheit you come in as a consultant and you'll be in front of the chief executive you know a fortune one hundred company you know explaining to him and convincing him that you are you know a very very important part of his growth future you know so so it's 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 it you know it's 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 you know it's 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 a privileged position, but I think it's you know I think it's reflective of you know what and how to get a great performance out of you know you know out of you know out of out of young restless minds. And and how do you determine the productivity levels because your business has just exploded over the last few years. And how do you know how much staff that you're going, how many consultants you're going to need to fulfill your your new business objectives? Yeah, well, I tell you, you learn it by error and error more than anything else. I mean, you know, we had uh, you know an extraordinary and, and, and quite seminal year last year, and you know the, the work that's in front of us at the moment is bigger than it was at any point last year so you know at least at the moment i would be you know disappointed if we didn't grow as much this year as we did last year but you know we learned how to scale you know and um and you know we have created you know an attractive brand in the marketplace and we put on 30 odd people 28 30 people last year but we probably had close to 2,000 people apply for those jobs so you know we're not short of you know extraordinary people in which you know you know you know in which to choose from but a little bit of is you know you'll you you know if there was you know if there was precedent you'd know you'd follow it and then there isn't so you you know you you often learn by you know by mistakes too you know you often learn by you know you know by um by being under, you know, under, you know, undercooked at, at, at times, and I've always been, you know, a big believer myself in that, um, in that, you know, it's 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 better to be a person short than a person too many, you know, right. for a whole host of reasons. Right, right, yes, because uh, uh, laying off folks is never fun. No, when there's somebody who's good. No, 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 and you and and it forces an you know building a right size up business is one of the privileges you get of starting something from scratch. You know, I worked in a very very high performing advertising network in Saatchi, extremely high performing company, and you know we had you know six seven thousand staff, and that had grown up as a function of acquisitions over a long period of time, and grown up in an industry where advertising had a much bigger role to play in marketing than it's ended up with. And a lot of the layers of people inside the company were, you know, were baked into it based on history. And that uh, that alignment with companies' marketing departments, you know, no longer made sense. But it was very hard to get rid of, you know, 
you know, it was very, you know, we we may have had 2,000 people too many, but there was no way they were so baked into the system that you could never really have undone it. And it's not that we were underperforming, because we weren't. We were a very high-performing company. Kevin Roberts ran a very, very, very good operation. But, um, you know, it learned me, it taught me a lesson, you know, for sure, and, you know, understanding what it means to be right-sized and all the time and understanding that what's the difference between your core competence and what you can outsource, you know? Right. That's a very good point uh, when you talk about core competencies versus what is not your core competency. Um, your intake process, you had just stated not too long ago that you have about 2,000 people repl- uh, apply during the year. Uh, do you have a special recipe or process that you put your candidates through to, to pick the right one, or is it uh, a few management folks and, and with their gut decision and answer? answer no, well, n- well, the first thing about that um, that's true is that I have nothing to do with it. And, and and I have nothing to do with it because I'm absolutely inept at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not wired. Somebody says they're good, they're good, until I find they're not. And I'm just not wired in a way to be able to be attuned and valuable enough to the recruitment process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But having said that, you know, it, it, is, it is something that I think has been, um, you know, the two or three people at Fahrenheit who are responsible for it have... Um, you know, taking it from an incompetence of ours mm-hmm. to a core competence, uh-huh. and 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 you know, the industry that we belong in, the outsourcing of innovation, as it were, is a relatively fledgling industry. It's only ten years old, so there's no infrastructure behind it. There's no headhunters for the innovation industry. I mean, all this will come soon, but it's not there now. So it took us a long time to understand. You know. W- how our food chain worked, and what, and you know, and, and you know, and what were the characteristics that you know, that, you know, that you know, that you know, that made it work. But the team have got very, very, very good in it. You know, thirty people last year, twenty-eight of them are world class. You know, so they've turned a weakness into a strength. And there are, you know, a number of, um, you know, very, very, very fruitful and very successful exercises that they have learned again, through error and error, that really help identify, you know, the characteristics that make you good in innovation, you know, the restlessness, you know, the the, the lust for being great over the over the need to be right and so on. And, you know, and, you know, they make them work hard too. But, um, but you know, that, 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 you know, I'm not the, the expert to talk about it because, you know, I, I, um, you know, I stood away from it because, you know, I was never going to be valuable enough in doing it. And so I was just about to ask you about the key characteristics, but you gave a couple of those. And as you said, it's the need to be great, not to be right. Um, what are some of the other characteristics that one would see in a Fahrenheit 212 team member? Well, I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, restlessness and eclectic interest are kind of oft-abused words, but the but the truth is that, you know, I mean, if I just look across the portfolio of stuff that we're working on today from, you know, literally from sexual lubrication to redefining next generation cat litter to building affluent credit cards for the biggest bank in the world to mm-hmm. redefining urban models for big retailers that have built themselves in suburban environments to, to you know, transforming big retailers into from retailers into service operations from trying to find money and 
you know, in, in the ice cream business and nobody's ever been able to find money in it before. And I mean, these are hugely, you know, diverse, very, very, very challenging problems. And I, um, you know, believe that being a generalist um, is is an important thing, you know. I mean, self-serving in, in some sort of way, I thought originally, because New Zealand's not a big enough country <laughs> for you to be a specialist in anything, you know, it was a quite career-limiting sort of move, but but I, I think the more and more I've understood, you know, that being restless um, and, and, and having shown signs in your history of having, you know, a broad eclectic interest in a good number of things rather than a browsing sort of, you know, a, a grazing sort of way, um, you know, are good signs that you're a generalist, you know, and, and I think generalists are well suited for, you know, the type of, um, the type of work that happens in innovation. And, and this allows your colleagues to work on five or six different projects at one time. I think not only at a yeah yes in simple terms. Um, I think too, as importantly, in, in a somewhat of a different point, I think it's how it works as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I truly think that um, that um, you know, which is why if you hop back right back to the real point about New Zealanders travelling is I think what makes New Zealanders interesting people. You know. And, and you know your your voyage is sort of spirit and your 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 ability and desire to want to discover other cultures and other ways of doing things allow you to far more readily intake you know perspectives from things and perspective is the most important thing you know from perspectives you get learning reading lots of things agreeing with them or not allows you to see things that you weren't seeing before and and um, you know and I think and I, you know and I think that. Um, a lot of that is, you know, the way that the the alchemy of Fahrenheit works, the ability for you to be stimulated in one category, even though it might be vastly different from another category that you're working in, is helpful for both. Certainly, certainly. I guess it, it certainly would fit me because I I am a daydreamer and I go from, I bounce from one idea to the next idea. Hmm. So I, I can certainly appreciate that. No, it's 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 it's, it's organised, disciplined ADD, you know, exactly. and, and, and 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 you know, I mean, I think the other thing too, though, that I think is a, a a useful, valuable thing to know, is that the tasks that we are, you know, these are large growth challenges for complicated big companies, and they're expecting solutions of you know, 150, 200 million dollars of net new revenues out of these things that they are not accustomed to doing today. You know, they're complicated things, and um, and and you know, I think the other important characteristic of it is to get is to work with velocity. You know. And truth, never give time for people to get scared, you know, because these aren't easy things we're working on. And the more time that you have is often, you know, often unhelpful because, you know, you start to worry this hot, this our, our business is, you know, uh, you know, a mixture of, you know, of, of, you know, of acumen, of, of experience, of, of creativity. Um, but, you know, not without leaps of faith all the way through it, you know. It's just fundamental to inventing things that currently don't exist. Mm-hmm. If I was a fly on the wall in your office, what would I see are the, 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 the outstanding qualities of your leadership style? What would I observe? Um, the, I, I totally, I mean, 
it would be ironic if you'd asked me that question 15 years ago when, um, you know, I would have thought a process would have been important in my life, you know. Mm-hmm. And I came to America and and everybody talked to me about this word process and I didn't even appreciate it. And I certainly had no idea about what, you know, core competence and gold standards and best practices were. And this is, this is, this is the, the language and the discipline and the work um, environment that, you know, made America great in the first place, you know. Um, and it was all quite, you know, it was all quite foreign to me. But what you'd notice is that more more than anything else, you know, um, um, you know, I'm getting on with my 100-day plan, you know, and I'm not running around the company pulling up the carrots to see if they're growing, you know. You're getting on with yours and I'm getting on with mine. Now, I have a a role to play, you know, in, um, in, in you know, I'm a storyteller, and you know, and and you know, and you've got an inspirational role to play. You know, every day good things happen, and you know, one of the defining characteristics of somebody that's endured at Fahrenheit is that you know they do they do stuff, and you go, where on earth did that come from? You know, this whole obsession that we've got with you know amazing each other every day isn't you know isn't a isn't a isn't a you know kumbaya thing, it's because the bar in the market's embarrassingly low. We have to turn up and we're famous, you know. We've got to set our own pace, you know. We have to be restless about it. So there's always things to get excited about and, and, and you know, and spending time, you know, basking in somebody's success is um, is an important thing to do, but it's also an enjoyable thing to do too, you know. But most of the time I'm doing my stuff, you know. I've got a role to play. My role principally is to bring it in the door and, and you know, and, 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 you know, and most of the team's role is to, you know, is to, is, 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 you know, is to create the alchemy. You know, I think, I think your, your point about being a CEO for more than half of your career is phenomenal. Um, but who were your, um, who, who did you learn from? Who inspired you to, to be the leader that you are today? Well, I think um, Kevin Roberts, my, you know, the, the the guy that became the global chief executive, Sachi and Sachi, you know, certainly made me do the, you know, he made me get up and leave my country and leave the career that I was in, and I was very comfortable with that and, and, and enjoying it enormously. And and he gave me a lot of rope, you know, to succeed or to fail on, and he's a, he's a very inspirational, top-line thinker, but at the same time, he's got an incredible discipline and being a bottom line doer, you know, he's a meet, beat, repeat guy, even though you'd meet him and you'd think he's very, very top line in his orientation. So he was pretty inspirational. There's no question about it. And he made me, you know, he gave me a life-changing opportunity. But it, as far as everybody else is concerned, I mean, I, 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 I'm not somebody that kind of goes to, you know, reads leadership books and, you know, and, you know, wallows at the altar of people because it's not what turns me on, but 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 notwithstanding that, though, there are so many things, particularly in the entrepreneurial startup world, that just amaze me, and it's just great stories all the time, and that's kind of where I get, you know, really jazzed, you know. You look at the guy that runs the guilt group, you know, and you understand a little bit about his business, and you go, you know, the guy has managed to create this business where at 11.59, every single work weekday of the, you know, of the year, he gets the... You know the Walmart Thanksgiving crush of people queuing up to, to you know to get you know to get the deal. That sounds genius, you know. And and you know, and you look at the Etsy.com, 
you know, the sort of artisan sort of, you know, marketplace. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be seen dead buying anything on that site. <laughs> but the guy's birthed, you know, people around him that have gone on to build six, seven other businesses. You go, that guy must be just so, you know... You know, you know, you know. He, he, he just, he, he, he's, he's, you know, he's clearly, you know, he's clearly got a big X factor. So stories like that are things that really sort of jazz me and and inspire me more than you know, more than you know, more than you know, you know, um, um, you know, long term established leaders that you know that you know that 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 you look at in a kind of more conventional way, you know. What, what would you say are the keys to your company's success? You know, what are the three things that you think make your company stand out uh, apart? From oh, I think there's only one. There's only uh, one. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the the. It's funny because I came from a communication industry that spends, you know, its entire, you know, capability in life, creating differentiation for the companies that it serves. You know, its clients. And was you know abysmally bad at creating differentiation for itself, <laughs> and um, and I thought I think one of the most important lessons that you know that that you know when you uh, you know when 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 you start by yourself and you know and 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 you become truly um, feeling the fear of mouths to feed every day, you know, it makes you think about things in a different way. And it really plays up the importance, you know, of just what is your value proposition, you know, and it's got to be productized, you know. There's no, there's no doubt the genius of walking into Starbucks says the board hasn't got many things on it, and yet it's enough to create one million different drinks out of it, you know. It's incredibly productized. So, the most, you know, the, the one thing about Fahrenheit that's unique is our value proposition. We work in an incredibly risky um you know industry that's got a lot of unpredictability about it and we get paid to perform wow. we have an outcome-based model two-thirds of the revenue that fahrenheit wants to or expects to earn on any given job is put at risk our clients set milestones we hit them we get paid we don't hit them we don't get paid so we've got a business model that profits only if the job profits wow. and i think you know as a function of that you know i have built um by dint of that business model, a very, very unusual set of capabilities that's designed m- more to ensure your business model doesn't make you go bankrupt than anything else. You know. Well, Jeff, we are out of time for this week's interview. You're going to come back next week and uh, share with us some more thoughts about Fahrenheit 212, correct? Yes, yes, much okay. looking forward to that as well. The time, the time just flies by. Well, we're here with Mr. Jeff Fuletta, CEO of Fahrenheit 212. Jeff, we want to thank you for your time, and we look forward to uh, talking with you next week. This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, Seton Hall University, and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you.